Welcome to Can We Talk? Taxes, Trustees, and Entrepreneurs. Certified Public Accountant Carol Felsing shares her years of expertise with you to help you make the best financial decisions possible. She founded Felsing LLC in 2013 after years of experience working in national, regional, and local firms. And now, here's your host, Deborah Hendrickson, and of course, Carol Felsing. Hello, and welcome back to Can We Talk? This series will be on trust and estate planning. I am Deborah Hendrickson, your host today. I'm speaking with Carol Felsing, Certified Public Accountant and Managing Partner with Felsing LLC, a CPA firm located in Winter Park, Florida. Carol is a third-generation Floridian, born in Orlando, and a graduate of the University of Central Florida. She has experience in public accounting, working in national, regional, and local firms. Carol likes to refer to her early years of her profession as her tour of duty. Carol founded her firm, Felsing LLC, in 2013 and has watched it grow with a team of high-powered individuals serving clients in a professional and caring manner. Our topic today is estate planning. What's involved and why do I need it? Welcome, Carol. Good morning. The subject of end of life is not one any of us want to discuss. When we are young, we think we're going to live forever. As we get older, we recognize that life does eventually end and we should embrace for it. Part of that process is estate planning. So, Carol, why is estate planning important? There are a couple key benefits to having your estate plan done. First and foremost, it gives directive to those handling your affairs after you've passed on how you want your estate administered. It also allows someone to act on your behalf in case you become incapacitated. If done correctly, it will keep your estate out of probate court and the fees associated with it, as well it keeps your estate a private matter. Since probate court filings are public information, unlike a trust, which is a private document, it gives directive regarding health care wishes and can add some asset and creditor protection. So please share with our listeners what's involved with estate planning. Estate planning can run the gamut. It could be a few documents to an elaborate plan with multiple documents, entities, and strategic tax maneuvers. At a bare minimum, your estate planning should include a will, a revocable trust, a durable power of attorney, which allows someone to act on your behalf even if you can become incapacitated, and a health care surrogate, which allows someone to make medical decisions on your behalf, and a living will, which gives directive regarding life-prolonging measures. Some additional documents that you might want to think about would be an irrevocable trust, a ladybird deed, a special needs trust, and LLCs, which we'll talk about later in a different episode. Well, that's a lot. Why do we need all those documents? Can't we just title the assets to be in joint names and not incur the cost of drafting the various documents? That, in fact, was the method of estate planning several decades ago. But there's a couple of issues involved with that. First, joint titling does not address the need if someone becomes incapacitated. Also, both parties may agree at the time titling those assets in joint names of how they want that asset to be used. When the first spouse dies, the surviving spouse then is totally up to them how the asset is used and who it ends up with. Well, that brings up another element of estate planning, a will versus a trust. What is the difference between the two? A will is a legal document that spells out how you want your affairs handled 
and your assets distributed, but only becomes effective once you die. Whereas a trust is a fiduciary relationship where someone can transfer their assets to a trust and they serve as trustee as long as they're capable of serving. And then they, they manage the assets in the trust. It becomes effective immediately upon assigning the document. And the document provides for a successor trustee in case you become incapacitated. That allows someone else to handle your affairs without having to go to court. Although a will is generally cheaper to draft than a trust and has less maintenance, the assets governed by a will go through probate court, which can be an expensive process and will become public information, whereas a trust is a private document and there is no public filing. Thus, your nosy neighbor doesn't find out about your financial picture. And who doesn't have a Gladys Kravitz in their neighborhood, right? That's right. (laughs) I've heard people talk about a pour-over will. What is that? A pour-over will covers any asset that an individual may have neglected to put in the name of the trust, and it directs that those assets held outside the trust immediately get poured over and governed by your trust. And that will immediately become effective on the date of death. It also carries assets that you typically don't put into a trust, your automobiles, your jewelry, and some of those forgotten secondary cash accounts. So why would you need a will over a trust or vice versa? I don't think you pick one or the other. I think they work best in tandem and you need both. So Carol, you and I live in Florida. What happens if someone dies without a will in Florida? That's called dying intestate. And if you die without a will in Florida, there are state statutes that govern how your estate is administered. If you have only a spouse and no descendants, the spouse will end up with 100% of your estate. If you have a spouse and children, that the children belong to both you and your surviving spouse, then again, the estate goes 100% to your spouse. If you have a spouse and one or more descendants that don't belong to both of you, 50% of the estate goes to your spouse and 50% goes to your descendants, equally depending on how many descendants you have. And if you have descendants and no spouse, then the estate will be divided equally among your descendants. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Now, onto the subject of trusts. What are the pros and cons of a joint revocable trust with your spouse versus separate revocable trusts for both the husband and the wife. While the drafting of the two documents have very similar language, a joint revocable trust is less expensive to establish as you are only drafting one document. However, a big con for a joint trust is that there's less asset protection with a joint trust as all the trust assets are held in one big pot. Thus, both you and your spouse's creditors have access to that trust. Whereas if there are separate trusts, one spouse's assets will not be subjected to the creditors of the other spouse. Therefore, if you have a husband's trust and a wife's trust, only the wife's creditors will have access to her assets and only the husband's creditors will have access to his trust assets. And if the assets aren't divided after the first spouse dies into two trusts, the assets will be available to be used by that surviving spouse as they see fit, and they can actually change the trust document. Separate trusts are particularly advisable if you have a second marriage. I would think that would be especially true if there are children from a previous marriage. That's correct. So how do you make changes to a trust or a will? You'd have to go to your attorney, and they can either do amendments to your trust, they can restate your trust, or they can redo your will. Are there any separate filings when a revocable trust is created? No, as long as the grantor, the person funding the trust, is serving as trustee, those assets will be titled in the name of the trust, but be recorded under the social security number of the grantor. 
Thus, all the earnings in that trust get reported directly on the person's individual tax return and no separate tax filing is required. However, once that grantor stops serving as trustee and a successor trustee is chosen, or when that grantor dies, that trust will then need to get an employer identification number and a 1041 tax return will need to be filed. Do you advise talking about your estate plans with your children or other beneficiaries? I absolutely do, because that means there's not going to be any surprises and they know what's going to expect. Although you don't need to talk about specifics of assets and values, you should give them a mile-high look about how things are going to take place so that, again, they know what's going to happen. And then in a will and a trust, do you have to leave your estate equally to children? No, you do not. You can leave your estate however you want to. However, many attorneys, when drafting that trust or will, if it's not going to be done evenly, specifically mention that beneficiary and say either they will not be getting treated equally or they will not be getting any assets at all. So it's clear when someone's reading it after the fact that that was the intention of the grantor. And what happens if the grantor is currently serving as a trustee of their own trust? They become incapacitated or incapable of serving as a trustee. A well-written trust should have successor paragraphs in them that tell you exactly who will serve as successor trustee or how a successor trustee will be chosen. And should the individuals review their estate planning documents after they are drafted? Yes, periodically they should review their documents, typically with either the attorney that drafted the documents or a financial individual familiar with estate and trust laws to make sure any changes of circumstances, any changes in financial picture, or any changes in trust laws have been addressed. So it's easy to see how good planning and communication will ease the process of administering your estate. Make sure your estate gets distributed as intended and possibly prevent a family feud from brewing after you've passed on. Absolutely. Thank you, Carol. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Join us on the next episode as we continue our conversation with Carol Felsing, along with estate planning attorney Anita Barber, as we ask the question, what to consider when planning an estate plan. Thanks again for listening to Can We Talk? Trust and Estate Planning. Thanks for listening, and join us next time as we continue our conversation with Carol Felsing, partner with Felsing LLC. You've been listening to Can We Talk? Taxes, Trustees, and Entrepreneurs. Please rate us wherever you listen to podcasts, connect with us on social, and submit any tax-related questions to info at felsingcpa.com.